You are tuning into Latino Politics and News with Tony Diaz on 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston, Texas. The era of Hispandering is over. Tony Diaz de Libre Traficante, and you're tuning into a broadcast combining Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, and Latino politics and news. The video of this program will air on fox26houston.com. The audio will air on 90.1 FM KPFT, your community station where this all began. This particular version of the show will also be an actual report. So you'll be able to read the 2021 State of Latinx Art Report if you visit the Nuestra Palabra website, follow our social media, or if you sign up for our email blast. And you'll be able to read this at your leisure. But... All, more importantly, too, Nuestra Palabra is about live events, especially now that we're in the post-pandemic era. Of course, you should all still get vaccinated. It's still a very real issue, but we've navigated a different way so that we've started to do live events as well. What is going on today? On screen with me is one of our guests for today, Monica Villarreal. Monica, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And do me a favor, tell folks the name of your organization. Well, I am lead of Danza Azteca Tashkayolot, and we are a local Danza Azteca group here in Houston, um, one of probably five. Uh, There's not many of us, so um, it's uh, an honor to do this kind of work in the city. That's fantastic. We're going to talk more about the impact that some of the entities we're going to mention in the 2021 State of Last Report have had on your organization and I do want folks who are tuning in for the first time or are studying this show later, um, they may be asking, what the heck is this thing? Isn't Nuestra Palabra a writing group? We're all that and more. What is this that you're experiencing right now? This is the 2021 State of Latinx Art Report for Houston, Texas. This follows up my annual reports, which I've started in 2018, gave again in 2019, gave again in 2020. Some folks might be asking, hey, isn't this the middle of 2022? Why are you giving the state of Latinx Hour Report for 2021 in the middle of 2022? Well, in the 2021 state of Latinx Hour Report, I'm going to have to follow up on last year's report. In the 2020 state of Latinx Hour Report, I was calling for unity in order for the Latino arts ecosystem to get through the havoc caused by the COVID-19 epidemic and the economic shutdown. 2021 was such a powerful year of recovery for Latino arts in the community with so many developments that continue and that we are feeding off of. So I needed half a year just to connect the threads. And at some point I'm like, you know what? I've got to draw a line in the, you know, draw a line in time. And I do want to say, though, that the report will now be given annually in July. 
but we're also creating our own structures and using our own language. So our terms and our terms, what does that mean? A report's not going to be able to convey everything that's going on and all the facets of our arts community and vision. So just, you should know that this is just one aspect. Having said that, this report that will not take place in July will also be accompanied by a live event that dramatizes and puts into practice our community cultural capital, which is another word that we'll be using a lot now. That event this time around will take place Monday, October 3rd, 2020, 6 p.m. at the Alley Theater during Hispanic Heritage Month when we will display and celebrate Houston's community cultural capital that has made a national impact. So that's all ties in. The other question I want to address before I get to the overview is why you, dude? Why this guy? Why me? Well, uh, I wrote the book on community culture capital. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, my forthcoming book, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Culture Capital. I bring it up because this is a 300-page document, nonfiction, that chronicles just one aspect of community cultural capital. I'm bringing that up because this report is fueled and shaped by the language in that book, the ideas that our community has used to survive and thrive so that when you hear the terms in this report and used by our community, you have to analyze them through our terms, not through corporate English uh, and so forth. I'm saying all that then because I want you to understand that the Latino arts community has been overlooked mm -hmm. and neglected for so long that there's no way one document can report that. Additionally, I want you to keep this in mind. We're going to talk about some of the work of Alma, which is putting together a report on creating a Latino arts complex. But there's some unfair baggage put on all Latino arts groups or books in that the, the census has quantified that we're at least 45% of Houston, which is 2 million people. That means 900,000 people possibly, and I firmly believe that's an undercount. Um, that means that one building is supposed to service 900,000 people. That doesn't even make sense. The, the, the baseball field doesn't do that. Um, you know, 900,000 people are supposed to be catered to by one book? Of course not. One report? Of course not. Times all the decades of neglect. That is unfair to our community. So we're creating our own systems to to define that. Um, now, of course, I have Monica with me and we, I want her to talk about her organization, but I do want to bring up just two aspects from the overview of the report. There's two organizations that are having an immediate impact right now that I want to talk about. And again, you can read all about them in the, in the full report and we'll be having more discussions with them. And in fact, today on the show, we'll be joined by Heraldina uh, Weiss, who is the chair of the board of Alma and also Sixto Wagan, who is the executive director for the BIPOC Arts Network Fund. These are two organizations that are playing a big role. And if you're watching, I need you to get engaged or tell other Latino artists to get engaged, Latino collectives and community members. And we're going to tell you exactly how to get involved and why that's important. Because mm -hmm. if you've missed out on any part of this, don't feel like you've been left behind we're going to make sure that you're involved later on. And in fact, in the past, that's been the problem. We're creating a system where we can keep 
rejuvenating that. Um, two quick points then. A big deal from 2021 was that the Houston Endowment Incorporated gave a grant for $1 million to Alma to create a report. Nice. But we should applaud that. We should applaud that, right, Morning? Yes. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. I said. Why, why is that a big deal to you? Because you've been in this field for a long time. Why, why is that a big deal, Monica? Um, because it's about time that they invest in Latino organizations. I mean, especially one that's building a structure for other organizations or other groups in Houston, Latinx groups. And so I feel like two million is a start. I feel like it's not, it's still not enough. And, and those are excellent points. So uh, I should also point out that the Houston Endowment uh, awarding a million dollars for this project, this is a big deal because they've never invested money in just brain power. So this is a two-year plan to create answers to issues we have about our community. Um, the organization um, stands for Advocates of a Latino Museum of Cultural and Visual Arts and Archive Complex in Houston-Harris County. And the idea then is to create this campus. Um, now, what I want to point out is, what does that mean? You tell us. And part of that, to, to get to what the community wants and needs, Alma is launching a Latino artist census. And the idea is we want to count the Latino artists that are in, in Houston. That's been approached, touched on. In one-shot deals um, that, you know, and, and again, when I say that, I'm not dismissing any of it. Uh, I've been involved in some of those efforts. We just haven't had the support, funding, or infrastructure to keep building on it. So we're going to go back to all those. But when mm -hmm. this report's finished, we're going to have, and I'm going to, and I'm on the board. I'm the chair of the, um, I'm the chair of the outreach committee, community outreach committee for Alma. I'm shooting for us to reach 2,000 Latino artists. Why? to find out what they need, to find out where this complex mm -hmm. should be, to find out how many buildings it should be, to find out how, you know, you're in City Council B, how do we help you and City Council B thrive as this complex thrives? And, I definitely have ideas. You know, and, and I'm going to shift to you, and I'm going to say this, uh, I'm going to say this about Alma. The idea then would be that um, we need to make it where that complex succeeds because you're succeeding and, and and one doesn't cancel out the other i'll stop there and i'll talk about Banff for a little bit um so so what are some of your ideas on how this complex can service some of the work that you do um well i know we don't have a museum locally um for latinx and or highlighting latinx art or culture um, we've contributed so much to the city and the fact that we don't have even a facility to exhibit or to showcase that um, is sad. Uh, there is um, some spaces where we, as groups like myself, can practice and have like our, um, you know, dance practices or centers where we can um, have our programming some of our programming we definitely need facilities like that ac facilities because it's so hot in houston we feel it right now in the heat in the in the summer um point that's a very practical point but powerful. right facilities to to host you know small events even just like book clubs or enriching events for our community or workshops for our elders to learn how to use computers i mean just like you know 
small things like that make a big difference in our community. Um, I, you, I know you free workshops. Tell folks where you have to do that right now. And tell folks that you are looking for space right now, right? To rehearse. Um, yeah. I We're always looking for space to have indoor events or indoor practice because we um, we practice at Eastwood Park. Um, right now, every 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 Sunday, and it's for free uh, at ten thirty, and it's open to the public. And so, if we had a facility that we, you know, when it rains, because it does rain a lot in Houston sometimes, or when it's too hot, that we can be indoors, uh, a stable facility that we know we always have access to, or even to host our ceremonies or our large events where we invite people from out of town to come and participate, where we have like over 50 to 75 dancers participate. We can have a facility where we can host these people. Um, you know, there's a number of things that this uh, Alma can, you know, serve in our community, for, at least for our group. That's great. No, and I think um, when we realize how you recapitulate a lot of our indigenous culture that has been lost and, you know, um, that has been uh, burned and destroyed, you're recapitulating, regrouping it there, there at a park, which is fantastic. Um, but you're also international, too. So I love that this facility then could cater to international level performances, but still very organic to the community. So this campus should be able to host world-class events for a thousand people with all the sound tech that we need. But then, like you're saying, yeah. on a weekday rehearsals and on a weekend apart, because when we watch this and it's cold in Houston, today is sizzling outside. Hermana, I don't, I don't 10 a.m. on a day like today, I think we've had record 100-degree days. I don't even know how you would do it on a day like today. Yeah, and we're out there every Sunday at 1030 in this heat, uh, you know, we've been lucky because the past couple of Sundays have been a little breezy. So we've had a little bit of a break, but August is around the corner and um, it gets harder. So it's just going to get hotter every year too. So uh, facility is definitely needed. Um, I was also thinking, you know, really good thing that uh I, I, I can envision is, you know, we have the Houston Botanic Garden that just started recently. And the, uh, the amount of money that was poured into that project was like horrendous. I mean, this is the reason why they have to charge to in order for people to access it. Um, it would be awesome if Alma, ex, you know, um, showcase some indigenous foods from like Texas or even from Mexico Um there are like from these lands, easy like corn, tomato, um, oh, you know, wow. some also native herbs and flowers um, uh, that will be perennial that which will come up every year or even just throughout the whole. I mean, in Houston is such wow. a great place to have a garden and to grow things. It would be so easy to um, to, to showcase those kinds of things and to, even to be able to talk about it. The fact that like a lot of the now what language is still utilized through food that would be such a great thing to talk about with students with youth um, with people even adults that don't even know so that would be a great thing to have at Alma. i'm gonna pause there um one we're gonna talk about money now but <laughs> but you're proving that you are an expert on us and this is the era of community culture capital where we are called upon treated and respected 
as artists about us. And this is important to give at the visioning sessions that we'll be having for artists, then community members, etc. Why? We have to have this dr driven into the DNA of this building so that when we sit down with the architects, they're creating buildings, yes. campus that makes it beautiful to walk through, but it also has that sort of knowledge in it, built mm -hmm. in, in the landscaping, uh, in the way the, the flow is to the buildings. And then additionally, right there too, ties into ethnic studies because- Oh my, Tony, that, exactly that ties into, I mean, think about the migrant workers. Think about a lot of our families in a, a community of people mm -hmm. migrated for work. Not only did they migrate for work, but they were farmers. You know, they were farmers from where they came oh. and there were farmers here. And so having that part of Alma would be so, uh, would be such a success to even talk about mm -hmm. those sorts of stories of like the jornadas and um, even uh, it goes deep into our DNA, not only deep into our DNA, into our history. And that would really encompass mass, you know, the study Love of it. mass. Uh, and I was, you know, I can even envision like having sort of like ceremonies to mark harvest times or mark oh, uh, times uh, to, to uh, sembrar, you know, um, especially in these weathers and the way it's, things are changing. We just had a small ceremony for, uh, uh, for corn at the Botanic Gardens. And it was really beautiful. Uh, we also marked the Mexica New Year. And it was all like together and you just like the bright colors and talking about cultura and our food and wow. just how like all, you know, it just like really encompassed everything that we know about our history and our knowledge of like wanting to pass those things down to our you know, next generation. And actually even... The pyramids of the Mexica and the indigenous cultures were built with those concepts in mind. We got to stop there. We're not even trying hard. <laughs> okay. And we're coming up with some great ideas. I do want to talk now a little bit about money and BAMF, BIPOC Arts Network Fund. This is another organization that's coming on at the same time. Um, a couple of things I do want to say about them. So Alma doesn't have direct funding for programming right now. So I want to tell folks that's a two-year planning process for that document which then will shape policy and get funding. Hopefully there will be sponsors that can accelerate the programming side. BIPOC Arts Network Fund has $12.5 million to invest in BIPOC arts community. They've already invested $2 million in community arts groups on community terms. And they're, they're inviting people to the table to come up with different ways to share the subsequent $10 million. So if you didn't get some of those grants, Please keep watching, get on our email list so we can tell you how to get involved in the planning and talking uh, and so we can get other grants. But I'm bringing that up because when people tell our community, hey, work together, BAM funded Nuestra Palabra, but also empowered us to be a fiscal sponsor so that we had 10 collectives under our, our umbrella that could apply as well, including your organization. Mm -hmm. And... What I do want to say are two things. One, collectives then mean that they're informal groups just according to the Internal Service. The Internal Revenue Service doesn't recognize those groups. They're not documented, you know, pun intended there. We dig, we'll dig into that in another show later. Uh, so that means those groups can't even open bank accounts. As an umbrella organization, we can mm -hmm. step in and help with that. So the group can get funds, 
many organizations require that, but then also they can open that bank account. But at the community level, because the, the funding is important, but like you said earlier, even a billion dollars wouldn't change things if we're not empowered. What I like then is because we're working together with funding, we respect the power of managing. Also, the organizations are quantifying our community cultural capital, which means what? We're breaking down. Hey, here are the things we do well. Here's the things you do well. Here's where we overlap. Here's how we can work together. Mm-hmm. And creating mm-hmm. fair exchanges of community cultural capital. Right. And so back to you, Monica. The other thing is I also like that we're not just talking about one identity term to make us all easier to Google. I like that Alma and the Banff are happening at the same time because it complicates the definition of Latino. Because if you look at the word BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color, there's not an H for Hispanic or an L for Latino. But if you're Chicano, you know you fit in there on the Indigenous side. I'm going to stop there in a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, Roxette is going to give me a cue to tell us when we have our next guest, Heraldina, on so we can say hi to her. I do want to thank Roxana Guzman, who is our producer for our multi-platform broadcast. Rodrigo Bravo for editing our shows on the air. Monica, I dropped a lot there. How is BAMP helping your organization directly right now? <laughs> I have to be completely honest. Um, BAMP helped us realize that we need a lot of funding <laughs> to do the work that we that we do. And I know that talking to Sisto about this, he was concerned about that, of like, distributing funds to organizations in a small amount or, you know, $10,000 isn't very small, but it is small when we think about the work that encompass and the people that are a part of our group. And so, um, yeah, I think that it was definitely a eye opener of like, Oh, we, we were so excited to get the money. And then we saw, how far it got it didn't get us very far you know what i mean like we Mm -hmm. we want more we want to apply for more opportunities it put us in a position where like we know that we can we can uh we can apply for more opportunities we should apply for more opportunities we should put ourselves out there more we should work towards creating more capital for our organization so it has us kind of have like put the fire under us to kind of do more work, to apply for more things, to put us ourselves out there more. Great. And what I'm going to add from the Nuestra Palabra side is that in one of the previous State of Latinx Art reports that I wrote, I mentioned that Nuestra Palabra had stopped applying for operating budget grants locally and statewide and even nationally because it's a racket. It was unfair to our organizations because a lot of it was based on operating budgets, which I called a uh, artistic poll tax. However... Because of BAMP and, and many of the reasons you mentioned, Nuestra Palabra is leaning back into it. Why? Not just for the money, because you're right. Um, Nuestra Palabra got a $25,000 grant. Um, you know, We were happy to be the umbrella so that your organization could get a $10,000 grant. Other groups got $5,000 grants. That's not a million dollars. What I like is that uh, as, a, as, the, as the leader of a nonprofit organization, we're both talking about the limitations of a 501c3 and the benefits, but also we're saying that as we work together as a collective. Let me be very specific because it's not just warm and fuzzy feeling, which I'm all about too. <laughs> but let me get <laughs> let me let me get the accounts out here. 
This means then that Nuestra Palabra uh, was able to invest time and pay for someone to do the accounting, mm-hmm. to do the tax filings. Um, we're now then going to hire also someone to help with the grants because what people don't really understand is that several of these organizations that give grants require these small organizations to do even more paperwork. Yes. So it's really, <laughs> you know, and then, but now you, your group and my group can talk and say, hey, here's the advantages of getting a 501c3. Here's the limitations, but let's team up and let's pay for this accountant. Let's team up and let's pay for this lawyer to work through that. And so now Nuestra Palabra is going to be applying for these other grants. Why? Well, our right. operating budget has been inflated because of this process, but like you're saying, we're, we're, we want to position where now, you know what you need to do. Well, so like one of the things that we were able to do with the funding was, uh, um, apply to the Latinx contemporary, um, dance festival. And we put on, they didn't pay us very much for the, for the festival. We spent more to be performing there than we did, but we were, we had the money because we had it by, through Banff, but we did what we have been envisioning to wanting to do for many years because we didn't have sort of that kind of funding. You know, we, we elaborated on our, on our regalia. We, uh, you know, create some feathers where we can actually like look like, you know, like eagles. We made an eagle dance, something that, um, my my, te- my teacher taught me years ago and I haven't been able to do because we didn't have the resources to actually get create the the regalia and the things that we needed to and then we put we bust our butts you know for a whole month and we put on a show that we have will always remember you know and continue to build on and even want to like build with other uh, dancers from out of the country or I'm not out of the country out of this out of the state to bring more of that cultura even in Houston to kind of just make it even bigger and more better and just more beautiful, more colorful, you know, just to continue expanding our, uh, our knowledge and our culture and even our story. Because one of the things that I've been learning through the Codices or even our history is that our ancestors created the, you know, a story. They created a story with their dances, with their foods, with the music. And it's our job now to continue that work, but not only just continue what they built, what they created, but to build on that and create our own story for the next generation to build on and to continue. So it's really helped us on that journey. That's powerful. And I do want to remind folks that you basically are talking about um, beyond the 500-year legacy, uh, thousands of that that um yes yes you know, that, that proved very that true. history that was a kind mm-hmm. of a stopping point for a lot of our um our rituals in our and our customs you know there's like what we do in august on august 13 we mark and we um commemorate the resistance of indigenous people in mexico when it was the fall of tenochtitlan and during that time Guatemo, um he mentioned um, he was the leader of the Aztec people at the time. He mentioned in his mandato that we read every year that we were going to have to, like this was 501 year ago when he had read this out to the people and said, we're going to have to hide. We're going to have to hide our schools. We're going to have our to hide our knowledge. 
for a time when we can be able to be free and to um, to do these things freely. And so this is the time. This is the perfect time to do these things. So it's helping us to expand on that on that on that legend or that legacy or that um, yeah that work that our ancestors have. And, and again, I, I want to add to this why because this is not your typical report. This is not your typical show. And this is like ethnic studies meets, you know, Houston real life. I do want to add to that this, the cover of the book is me at the Teotihuacan. And the name of the book, uh, the pyramid comes from the fact that when I went to Teotihuacan, I was blown away because I realized we're brainwashed into believing that we don't have a history and culture. Mm -hmm. And one thing I do break down in the book is that that pyramid, those pyramids are are proof of our brilliance. Everything you talked about earlier is epitomized by those structures. And for us to be empowered, we have to go to metaphors beyond that moment when our history culture was burned. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to give a shout out to Roxana right now. Roxana, just checking in with you. I know we have Heraldina Weiss coming up soon. She is the chair of Alma Advocates of a Latino Museum of Cultural and Visual Arts and Archive Complex in Houston, Harris County, which, of course, um, is uh, part of the big news from the 2021 year and our 21 state of Latinx Art report. And we have shortly coming up six, though. Uh, Helena, thank you. You've been in the waiting room. Sorry, I couldn't quite see that you were there. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for joining us. And right now I'm going to ask you to, to hit the, the sound button for yourself there. Thank you. I've been backstage, but chomping at the bit of, you know, adding to the incredible conversation that you and Monica are having, uh, because it, it just, uh, it's, it's so, it's so refreshing to, um, to hear these conversations of who we are. And let me start by thanking you for having me here as chair of Alma. But as you know, because you know me personally, I was never going to get to be chair of Alma or to lead the new thinking for Latinos in Houston without myself being an artist and understanding the world through my own eyes. That's, you know, that's pivotal to me. Um, and, and on that note, uh, where, where I was chomping on the bit uh, uh, to, to talk to you and, and Monica, had to do with the fact that, um, that the moment I became an artist for life was the moment I delved deeply into my Maya roots and I understood why I was me. Why did I see the world the way I did? Why was I so in, entranced into the arts and it was, it was running through my blood, but science and cosmology was right in there. Why did I feel like a different little girl all my life? And that I didn't fit the stereotype because somehow I have, a, I have a deeper connection to my roots, possibly because of my art, possibly because I was meant to be an artist, right? Be much more attuned to the world around me. So back to what, uh, to what, what Monica said um, about Tenochtitlan, what you mentioned, um, it was a, the moment of understanding that one of the last of the Maya leaders uh, was told in the, the, the scripts of Maya, the, the glyphs, that when he became uh, king and the leader of the Mayas, that he would have to go into the waters 
when he saw white man. That was written centuries before, but it was known what generation he would be leading. So his scribes at the time in an island of the Peteng, they had been moving down from the Yucatan because that's what the scribes were saying had been written mm. and for the future. So then the white man comes. And of course, uh, uh, chaos erupts. But the scribes go deeply into, no, 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 we have the answers. What are the answers? And they tell their leader, you must go into the waters. That meant baptism. Hmm. And, and I, now we that. And so I'm telling you that beautiful story of why he would have to go into the waters to be baptized so the Maya could survive, so I could be here today, so my Salvadorian and Honduran and Guatemalans and, and, and Yucatan people could have a chance mm. we're going to build together. So it's all connected. We're mm. so connected. And what I was going to say about this beautiful story, mm. isn't it emblematic of the fact that we have been in survival mode for so long? And we, I am here, Tony, because I echo you. We are no longer in survival mode. We can now dream. We can be the scribes of the future. We are the scribes of the future. We are redefining how we're going to build in this city, but around us in the state of Texas, and then much further in the entire nation and connected to our countries of origin, because as I have just done my art that I took to Paris recently. Congratulations. Art, thank you. The art is called De Aquí, De Allá. Mm. So you see, I live these precepts. Mm -hmm. I think about this every day. I'm connected to the past and to the present, and we're building the future together because this is our reality. And when we understand that we don't have to be single-minded, we don't have to be in survival mode, we don't have to hide our culture, like Monica said. Show it. Bring it on. Bring the colors. We, the artists, bring the colors that our people need to see. Am I right about that? No, that's powerful. And um, I want to remind folks that you are uh, Helena Weiss. You are the chair of Alma Advocates of a Latino Museum of Culture, Visual Arts, and Archives Complex in Houston, Harris County plays a fundamental role in the 2020 state of 2021 state of Latinx art report because of the million dollar grant to write this two year report. And what I love is yes, the report exists. People can get it online. We can email it to them if they join our email blast, etc. But I love that we're seeing the sensibility you bring to the table and it is artists cultivating this building. And one thing I like to say to, um, our friend Lung Chu at, uh, at Houston Endowment is that, um, you know, I've known him from the creative writing program at the University of Houston. We've gone from workshopping poems to workshopping cities. So uh, I didn't want to cut you off, but I did want to give that context. But I love that you are articulating the uh, fundamental principles behind a very practical plan and a very real building and campus that will materialize. So what, remember, I said that I found in my Maya people and their cosmology and their philosophy and their science and their mathematics that we were truly ahead 
Einstein only got to prove what the Maya had been thinking. So we were ahead. I think that uh, I do art to open a window into my people. And I say my people in a very big umbrella, as I just noted, that a window into my people that they too have that knowledge within that we have to connect and believe that together we can weave what our past has been. And, and, and we all know, if you know any history, that the, our past is heavy. It is, it is oppressed. Our voices were, has, have, been, have been silenced for so long. Our, our, our own people have oppressed our own people. Our governments haven't taken care of us. So we've gone through a lot together. But here we are in a place of freedom. This is the place of freedom. This is the time for us to then be free to, like Monica said, spread our eagle wings. Uh, and like we are talking about, of then, then crafting the city, the, the city that, that, that gives a lot of freedom and crafting it towards a city with a new ethos that includes us. So this is not, no, not at all about DEIA and inclusivity and diversity. It's, we were all that. So this is not about drink, bringing new concepts to us. This is about us using intrinsically what we have and what we're about and this connectivity that I'm talking about and our, and our inner knowledge that comes from our people that knew the planet better than most will ever know the planet. But we are going to connect to that and, and then begin to know not only the, the, the natural environment, but the built environment. And that's what we're talking about, creating a new landing place for our collective pan-Latinidad that, that is inclusive to begin with. Because there isn't one of us who hasn't dreamed of going to Brazil for Carnival and, and joining in and, and feeling that in our blood. We're connected. We know how to do this. So let's use our collectivity and our collective knowledge of cities and, and communities and how to live together and show the best of what we are. That's what we're trying to do. I love it. Carolina, thank you for your vision and passion and your leadership. Thank you for joining us. And I hope that we can have you back throughout the year as we give updates, especially on Alma's Latinx Artist Census, which we hope people will go to the website to inscribe in. But uh, thank you so much. Thank you. And I love that Hedalina was talking about creating our own language, but these are terms we've already had. Um, I want to welcome to the show uh, Sixto, who is the executive director of the BIPOC Arts Network Fund. Thank you, uh, Sixto. I couldn't see quite backstage, so I hope you weren't waiting too long, but Saturday, and th thank you for joining us for all that you do, Sixto. Thanks for having me. And it's been a, a really great and exciting conversation listening to Monica and, and Haroldina and um, just uh, the, the empowerment that's happening through culture and recognizing how art is um, uh, the means in order for freedom and, and more in order for us to actually uh, to be more of ourselves. And I think that that's really exciting that the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund has been um, has an opportunity in order to help our Latinx folks here in Houston at this moment um, and, and, and really actually be part of a network and being able to, to connect uh, the, 
the knowledge and the, the historical knowledge and the historical knowledge that's in our communities, but actually be a, a meeting place so that uh, the Latinx uh, and you know, Latino Hispanic communities also are in conversation with our African-American and our Asian communities, as well as, uh, as our philanthropy communities so that everybody is able to learn with and from each other um, and, and build that new language together so that we are able to identify what is the city that we want to live in and deserve to live in. I love that. And just to remind folks, so yes, you can read um, the 2021 State of Latinx Art Report. It's going to be online. If you're on our email blast, you get it there. This is a bit of an overview, but this is more about meeting some of the, the folks who are involved in this. And each folk, each person involved at the leadership level is an artist, organizer, uh, and or activist and community member, which I think is really exciting. And I think, you know, I, we didn't plan Alma and Bath to exist at the same time. <laughs> I'm glad they do because um, there's so many aspects to dig in. Let me just kind of give two. One would be, um, as I mentioned earlier, Alma got a grant to create a report to answer some of these questions that we have not answered. It doesn't have direct uh, programming funds. So I want to point that out several times because people may be expecting um, several cultural events. If there's extra funding, that might happen. And people aren't getting direct grants from Alma because that's maybe something in the future. Maybe, maybe not. Um, on the other hand, Banff is this national program that's taking philanthropic funds that have been applied to other cities and organically empowering local leadership to to manage and govern and you know there was 12 and a half or 12 and a half 12 point something million in the kitty before but Banff infused two million dollars into the Houston art scene and I think it's been a huge investment not just in the funding which is important but in the training of leadership um, you know you get to work with more of the organizations um, tell me a little bit about how you see that happening with some of the other groups. Of course, I'm, I'm really proud to be on the, on the steering committee as well, but what are your thoughts on that part of it? Well, I think that that's actually part of um, uh, an essential component of how the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund works. As, as we said before, there will never be enough money in order to, I'm sorry, we will not have enough money. $12.4 million is a lot, but it is not going to fix um, the, the centuries of neglect in the Latinx community. It's not going to fix the centuries of neglect in the Black community. So all of this, and you know, just in Houston. So I think that we need to recognize that this is good money, but it's going to be the relationships and the knowledge that we share with each other that's actually going to be the things that are that are going to have longer term impact. And so it is, as Tony, what you were talking about, is it, it's a leadership development because we're uh, making sure that um, our artists, um, our community leaders are in the same room with philanthropy or in the same conversation so that we help educate each other on, on what, what it is and that this is not just about, and also that um, the research that we're putting out and the knowledge that we're putting out is based in practice, is based in communities and that there, and what we hope to do is make sure that, uh, that the research is not just academic research, it's not just sitting on a shelf, but actually is based in the knowledge of the people who are doing this work, the knowledge of the communities, the knowledge of the artists, and that how all of this work actually can serve a, a more direct future. Um, and it's not something about, I, 
oh, well, I'm gonna, we're going to do this work. And then five years down the line, we can actually figure out what it is. We're actually experimenting and developing and, and investing in our communities, investing in the art, art artists, so that um, we will learn from how you all actually utilize the funds, how you all actually utilize the conversations to then see what are the new opportunities, what are the new, what are the areas that still have gaps. And so that we continue to speak out to all of our foundation partners and other of our of our peers and our colleagues and other patrons that here are opportunities in which um, we are seeing, like uh, working with uh, the multitude of the Houston BIPOC community and say, how can, how can you help? How can you support? And, um, and then also really talking to our, our folks in order to make sure that what are our strengths? Actually, as you said, what is a community cultural capital? How are we actually defining for ourselves what our strengths are and defining for us what our needs and 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 what our hopes are and, and not being defined by just what a 501c3 means, not, not, not being defined by the strictures that, that work. Let's figure out the ways that we want to work, the ways that we can work, and then the ways that we can, um, and then inform other people how we would like to do that. That's really powerful. Uh, I want to give folks one concrete example, too, of how the Banff organization and network is really having a profound impact on, on identity terms. Because, for example, uh, Monica, um, she is based in City Council B, which is considered a traditionally African-American uh, area. Um, but we all know if you've been there, it's like African-American and Latino, right? <laughs> you know? And it's fascinating because again, like I mentioned earlier, now we're working very closely with her group, way more formally than before. So let's get something clear. Banff has helped us articulate that. But additionally, I think now what's happening is you've got African-American community organizers and groups and individual artists working just as formally with Latino organizations, collectives, and artists. And we had that desire before, and I, they, it's happened, but it's kind of evaporated. Um, is that a is that also a goal? Absolutely, and like it, it, it evaporated also because there weren't resources that were put to it. I'm like, you know, I think that that's part of what you you know how how can we make sure that some of these resources are about connecting like connecting the the organizations and and its communities and and make sure that that's actually part of the priority. I think that you know like I've been here for like involved in the arts in Houston for 26 years. We've like you know Tony like we have seen multiple initiatives, multiple like endeavors, and and part of what has happened is that um, all of those endeavors are based upon the the labor of individuals and based upon like you know um, and that sacrifice. And there's only and only certain levels in which we can actually make that happen and sustain that. Part of what Banff is trying to do is actually provide some of those resources in order for those that, that community and that conversation to continue. And, and, and to be built upon, and that the research and the, the evidence that we are able to bring back uh, to with philanthropy and everybody else actually um, talks about how that is that will be an important component or like as, as defined by our communities. So I think it is, uh, a, again, a reflection not just about legacy leadership, but it's also a conversation of general, like, you know, legacy leadership with like, some like you know, some some new organizations and, and artists of a different generation so that where what we are building is is not just about um a, a history but it is informed by how we want to be able to work to get today That's and right. in the future 
Love it. Well, Sixto, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks for all that you do. And uh, I really uh, am proud to, to get to serve on this organization with you. And uh, hey, you're changing the world. Appreciate it. Thank you. you. Congratulations on the report. We look forward to reading it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, Heraldina, also, thank you so much for, for all that you do, for joining us today. And also, Monica, um, I feel like this is a, a blessed generation. We're going to see, we're gonna see um, the fruits of our labor. Uh, I tell you what, uh, starting with Sixto, then Heraldina, then Monica, you want to give our, our viewers some parting words, maybe, Sixto, some, something deep and profound that will change people's lives in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Like, uh, um, like um, I think that I'm actually just excited about like hearing from Monica, hearing from Haroldina about again how how the art and, and and through the art are we finding more of a culture and more of a freedom in order to be able to, to accomplish something new, and how do we um, as as artists as well as as audience members how do we actually help each other in order to lift that word up, um, you know? And I think about like the moment in which. Um, when we look at like governments that actually try to suppress people, they suppress culture first. Mm. They make sure that art and, and the ways in which people are, can be proud of themselves, those are the, some of the first things that they silence. Right now, with, with the monies and with the opportunity, we now can actually be loud and loud in many ways and make people see who and what, and what we are and why we are proud to be part of a, like, a, a BIPOC community here in Houston and what Houston gets to bring in order to actually show the entire nation and beyond why we are a significant um, center of, of culture and of, of, of really, this is actually community-based culture and actually, and, and um, going back to your terms, Tony, like it is how, how do we enact community cultural capital in ways that are truly beneficial for, our, for all of our people? That's beautiful. Thank you, Sixto. Uh, Haroldina, what would you like to add to close this out? Well, uh, following Sixto's uh, thought about the greater Houston and, uh, and the fact that we are starting very local with Alma about uh, getting to know who we are, connecting us, uh, getting to know the richness of our culture, getting to know each other and connecting each other, that's enormous for this large city. On the other hand, our site is way beyond Houston. We believe that we can change the course of Latinx artists in and, and cultural artists of the entire nation to be understood, to be recognized, and to where do we fit into the history of art? We're going to make history. We're making new history. And, and this is the inception. So we're, we're not going to solve for everything in Alma. But let me tell you, empowering uh, the intellectuals out there to then get to know us and recognize us as some of the most diverse people on earth that alone is an important part. And, and going back to what Tony mentioned, that there's no L or H in BIPOC, that has been my problem all along. But, but I don't intend to make a big deal about it. I intend to find the data behind that. What, what do our people say about that? What, how do they recognize themselves? Or how do they not recognize themselves? So that is an important piece of information that I think that data, we're in 2022, for God's sake, we are all on our phones. Our phones are little computers. Therefore, we will go so intelligently forward in trying to find what makes Latinos in the United States? How do we define ourselves? This, and of course, to me, the, the logical place is to start with artists, art craftsmen, and, and cultural uh, workers. 
because we're the ones defining that culture. Let's face it. If I was, you know, if I was doing a different type of art, we wouldn't be having the same conversation. So we are defining, we are looking through, through our lenses, our, our very particular lenses. Who are we? And, and what are, what is our legacy? That is a, a really important piece for me to, to, to share with all of you that we're going to be data driven. And I think we're all going to rise uh, when we have that data and, and, and how do we get that data by going into the most profound community engagement that anybody has ever done on us? Because I went looking, what is the information on us? And we actually will aggregate that through Alma. We, we will record that. We will codify what is known about us. But let me tell all of you, there's very little known about us because we haven't been asked. I've been asking forever. These polls that come out at, at, at presidential time election, it's like, nobody's asked me. So I don't fit into all of this. So we have been left out for too long in so many places. We intend to go data-driven. We're going to know who we are. We're going to define who we are. And then we're going to go forth and, and things will, will start to fall into place as we give this data to everybody, including you, Sixto. We, you will get our data as well. And then we will reconvene. Who are we as Latinos in the most amazingly free country in the world with a lot of problems, but that we are going to be part of the solutions. That is how we, I see Alma being the connector so that we can, as we come up with solutions that, that, that take into consideration us and our deep knowledge that Monica spoke about. That's how we are part of this incredible living landscape that we live in. Thank you, Haroldina. And uh, the final word, we're going to give that to Monica. Close us out, please. Well, it's kind of hard after all the great, wonderful words have been sh uh, shared by Sixto and Haroldina. Really just very short. I mean, I'm just, <clears throat> I think that we're in an era of, you know, sharing, uh, learning, um, and just really um, being proud and loud about our culture. And um, I'm just really excited about even having sitting in the table right now with the people that I'm sitting with, you know, Tony, Sixto, Heraldina. I feel like all of you guys are really shaking up Houston and shaping it up for the next generation. And I'm just really excited for all the work that we're all capable of doing together and for collaborations and for continuous conversations around this sort of work. And so um I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it. It's really my, my only positive words. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you all for what you do. Thank you for joining us. This has been a multi-platform broadcast combining Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, and Latino politics and news. And we will see you at the arts. Thank you. Thank you.